hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the debut episode of Cinefessions, a podcast dedicated to the confessions of a cinephile. I'm your host, Brandon Chowan. Now, this show looks to be a solo podcast that gets recorded in between my main show, The Drive-In, which can be found at movies.insidepulse.com, and my other obligations. This new podcast will be dedicated to virtually anything I feel like watching, which admittedly will usually be horror films. The inspiration for the name, Cinefessions, comes from the idea that we cinephiles, no matter who we are, all have films, some few, some many, that we're embarrassed to admit that we haven't watched, for whatever reason. I hope to expose myself in that way and watch a lot of those films I may have missed in the past. Now, that's not the exclusive goal of the podcast, though. I will also be doing mini movie marathons or movie arcs that may start as soon as the next episode, where I'll pick five to ten films that relate to each other in one way or another, and I'll review one film on each episode, culminating with a mini award show, giving my pick for Best Picture, best actor and so on as it fits with the marathon that's an idea i admittedly stole from another podcast called film spotting which everyone should check out because it's one of the better film podcasts out there one of the good things about hosting a solo podcast is that only one schedule needs to be free to record which can help keep the show on a semi-regular release schedule also i'm always open to change and being flexible if listeners comments start coming in and you want to see changes i will do my best to accommodate A podcast, much like everything else on the World Wide Web, is nothing without an audience, and that's where you come in. I have a general format in mind, which you'll hear later on in this episode. I plan to review one film each episode and then give one streaming recommendation in a segment entitled Once Upon an Instant Cue, and that's it. That means that these shows will be short and sweet, which is one of the goals. I'm aiming for shows about 10 minutes in length so that they can be produced by me and consumed by you in a timely manner. There's nothing worse than listening to some moron ramble on for way too long and... While I can't help the moron part, I'll do my best to keep things brief. So, much like the opening scene in a horror film always tries to scare its audience, the opening of a new podcast needs to be longer than normal to try and justify its existence, which I hope I've done. So now that the obligatories are out of the way, let's get down with the show. So this week was my girlfriend's birthday on the 12th of February, and of course it was Valentine's Day on the 14th. I was thinking back and I remember the first movie we ever saw together has to be the Friday the 13th remake because it came out on a couple days after we started dating. But the first movie we ever saw as a couple on Valentine's Day was My Bloody Valentine 3D. It was a big year for horror remakes. Now, after years of living together and her putting up with my insane amount of horror movies that I watch, I thought for sure I was going to be forced to watch The Vow or some other chick flick this year. Instead, my wonderful girlfriend wanted to check out the latest outing from Hammer Horror, The Woman in Black, which I thought at the time at least was an excellent choice. For those of you who are unfamiliar with it, The Woman in Black, which is based on the 1983 novel of the same name written by Susan Hill, is a gothic ghost story through and through. It follows the story of the young lawyer, Arthur Kipps, who is played by Daniel Radcliffe in his first post-Harry Potter role, as he travels to a remote village to try and finalize the estate and possessions of the recently dead Alice Drablo, who owned Eel Marsh House in the northeast of England. It turns out that an evil spirit who forces children to kill themselves is haunting the village, which is never a good thing. Once Arthur starts doing paperwork at the secluded mansion, he starts hearing these unexplained noises. And just like that, the hunt to expel the evil in the town is a go. Now with each review, I'm going to start off with pros. I'm going to list pros, cons, and then my final thoughts, and then give it a star rating out of four. So let's hit the pros of The Woman in Black. Number one, Daniel Radcliffe does a great job with what he's given. Now to be fair, there's not a lot really asked of him, as he's mostly walking around a creepy house getting scared, but he does it really well. And honestly, without him and his fame, this movie would be little more than a direct-to-video outing, which is probably a bit of a spoiler as to where this review is headed, but whatever. 
The second pro has to be the use of props. Specifically, there are these music-making dolls, and they are excellent. I found out that the director was actually able to get a collector to donate period-specific props for the shooting of the film, and these props really helped set the atmosphere better than any other aspect of the movie. The house was fine, but it lacked any memorability that a lot of the old Hammer Horror films used to have. And unfortunately, that's about it for the positive side. You have Daniel Radcliffe, and you have an excellent use of props. That's all I could really grasp onto for pros of The Woman in Black. On the con side, the list is a little bit longer. Now, I understand that this is a Hammer horror film, and that Hammer isn't looking to rewrite the book on horror, but that doesn't excuse the fact that all but one scare in the film is predictable. Out of the couple dozen jump scares that the movie has, it only got me once, and that's pretty bad, because I jump a lot. The tension to build up these scares was stale as well, and it left me bored a lot of the time. Have we not, as horror audiences and filmmakers, grown out of the old bird scare yet? It's a lot like the my cell phone doesn't have service plot device. It just needs to die, as far as I'm concerned. There just comes a time when it doesn't work anymore for horror fans, and that time is upon us. Another con, even though Hammer Horror always relied on these types of scares in the 70s, what set those films apart from what we have here today with the woman in black was their style. Sure, some of the set pieces look decent enough, but the art direction overall, it didn't take any chances whatsoever. Horror audience have seen it all before, and we've seen it all done better before. If you're going to rely on atmosphere to make your film, please take some chances. Even if they don't work, the audience is going to appreciate the effort. Another con, the story, which is relied on to carry the slow pacing of the plot, is too paper thin to carry any weight at all. If the scares were greater or the story deeper, that slowly paced plot may not have been so noticeable. But a film of such short length, about 95 minutes, it shouldn't leave me bored. And The Woman in Black did that on multiple occasions. And the final point I want to touch on, and I can only touch on it briefly because I don't want to give any spoilers for the film, but the Hollywood ending really rubbed me in the wrong way. I don't know what the original ending to the novel was, but according to the research I've done to record this show, it's not the same as the film. And if that's true, that makes me even more annoyed because director James Watkins did not have to go that route. Instead, it just screams of big Hollywood changing things to make the movie more quote-unquote accessible. I'm sick of the Hollywood ending, and I know I'm not alone in that. There's a time and place for those types of endings, and this is not it. This was not the right place for it. And so my final thoughts on The Woman in Black... The movie's only gaining recognition because of the casting of Daniel Radcliffe. And because they cast him, the studio also seeds the opportunity to cash in on the casual and the non-genre moviegoer. I'm neither. And the result is a tepid, safe, predictable, and ultimately boring horror film that lacks any genuine scares or tension. As I said before, without Radcliffe, this probably could have gone direct-to-video and no one would have batted an eye. I, I will say this, though. Daniel Radcliffe is an absolutely talented actor, and this is just another example of his abilities. I can't wait to see where he goes from here, but when it comes to The Woman in Black, there is no reason to see this movie in theaters, so just wait for the Blu-ray. I give it one and a half out of four burning children. Alright, see? Nice and quick. Get the review out there, tell what I'd like, what I didn't like, and let's move on. Now we have the segment I like to call Once Upon an Instant Cue. So I figured I'd wrap up each episode with a quick recommendation that could be watched instantly because there's nothing better than now. This means I will look to Netflix, Hulu Plus, Amazon Prime Instant Videos to find one movie or TV series to recommend each episode. Now those are the three that I have best access to, so I'll stick mostly to those three. But there is this new service called Can I Stream It? which can be found at canistream.it, and it tells you if a movie can be found streaming on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Crackle, YouTube, and or Epics. This is an excellent service, so check it out, and I will use those search results to let you know where this movie can be found. 
This week, my recommendation has to be a film that I'm showing in my film class next week called This Film Is Not Yet Rated. According to Can I Stream It, only Netflix Instant Queue is actually carrying this film instantly right now. This Film Is Not Yet Rated is a 2006 film from writer-director Kirby Dick. It is all about the shortcomings of the Motion Picture Association of America's rating system. The documentary is incredibly important and relevant, more now than ever. So much so that I'm dedicating an entire week to discussing it in my film class. The MPAA Ratings Board has only their own interests in mind, and this film is not yet rated is a wonderful eye-opener to that fact. The more people that see this, the better the chances there are that there might be some change in the future. Kirby Dick weaves an excellent documentary here using interviews with some of Hollywood's most controversial directors who have been directly affected by the MPAA Ratings Board. It is highly recommended and is this episode's Once Upon an Instant Cue recommendation. So... That is that. Thank you for joining me on the debut episode of Cinefessions. So hopefully this will garner some interest and the next episodes will come sooner rather than later. And I'd love to hear any feedback from you guys, be it positive or negative. You can find me on Twitter at Simon1, that's P-S-Y-M-I-N-1, or email me at Simon1 at Yahoo.com. Be sure to check out my personal movies blog at Simon1.wordpress.com. You can also find my other podcast at movies.insidepulse.com and other writings at welovecult.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time.